What's going on, guys, and welcome to the Outside the Cage MMA Podcast. I'm your host, Hayden, and I've been wanting to make this for a little bit, and um, I wanted to do it because I've seen so many different podcasts from or talking about MMA that, you know, it's all people who are involved in MMA, which I understand. I get the appeal to it. You know, you listen to fighters talk about other fighters. It's interesting. But I wanted to give a fan's perspective. Um, that's why it's called Outside the Cage, focusing on stuff inside the cage. Today I'm previewing UFC 262, and um, I'm really excited for it. It's live Saturday on pay-per-view on ESPN+. And I'm just previewing the main card today, because it, uh, I mean, I'm uh, previewing main card and the uh, featured prelim. And let's start with the featured prelim. You got um, Jacare Souza versus uh, Andre Muniz. Um, Jacare coming off the loss to Kevin Holland. I, I think it's just a very interesting idea. Um, Muniz, on the other hand, is coming off of a first-round submission. Uh, that was back in September, though, I believe. So it's been a minute since he's been uh, in the octagon. Um, he's young. I mean, not too young, but I mean young from UFC standards, 31. I mean, hungry fighter. He's 20 and 4. He's done, I mean, he's been really impressive. This is Brazilian on Brazilian right here. Um, he got his start in the UFC because of uh, Dan White's um, contender series back in 2019. And he also had another 2018 contender series uh, match, which he won, but didn't get in the UFC from because he won by decision. He then came back and got the submission uh, through a rear naked choke. And a lot of his wins come from submissions. He has 13 of 20 wins from his submissions. I think that could be indicative of where this fight goes. Then that's the thing. you got to go look at Jacare. Because, I mean, you look at Jacare, I mean, yes, I mean, he's been a little bit more beaten up recently. He's on a three-fight losing streak. His last win was against Chris Weidman, but that was back in 2018. Chris Weidman stepped it up since then, and he's taken a huge step back. Um, yeah, that was his last win by knockout. But recently, he got a unanimous decision loss to uh, Jack Hermanson back in 2019. Um, also in 2019, he lost to um by a split decision. But still a loss. And then, obviously, I mean, everyone knows how much it shot up Kevin Holland's popularity. He got knocked out by Kevin Holland a minute and 45 seconds into the first round, just back on December 12th on the UFC 256 card. Um, I mean, you know, when I look at this fight and I preview this, I mean, I want to say Jocker is going to come hungry, just pure due to his... um. The, due to his uh, streak that he's on, losing three straight. Same time, you gotta look at it. He's 41 years old. I mean, he, he's he's getting old out of it. He's taken a lot of damage over his career. Um, I mean, he's been a part of some bloodbaths, and yeah, I think the thing is though that's interesting about this fight is if it can get to the ground. They're both Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, black belts, I believe, both out of Brazil. Um, Jacare, 14 uh, submissions in his 
26 wins, while um, Muniz has 13 submissions and 20 wins. So I expect this fight to go to the ground. I expect it to be. I expect them to be all over each other, looking for a submission the whole time. I think that will actually be a really interesting grappling match. Or what you see a lot of times, though, when you see high-level grapplers go against each other, you'll see it turn into a stand-up fight. More on that later. Um, surrounding another fight later on this card. But uh, that's what I have to say about at least uh, Jacare and Muniz. Now jumping straight into the main card, kicking off uh, the pay-per-view over on ESPN Plus is Shane Hurricane Burgos facing off against Edson Barboza. Um, this is an entirely different fight to, uh, compared to the one that I was just talking about. Shane Burgos is coming off of just his second loss of his career. Lost to Josh Emmett by unanimous decision uh, back in June of last year. He's taken nearly a full year off. Um, but other than that, I mean, he was on the come up. I mean, he had lost to Cubs, or he had beat Cub Swanson back in 2019. And now that we've seen how Cub Swanson's reawakened himself, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that just adds to the impressiveness of it. And his only other loss in his entire career, being only 13 and 2, was to Calvin Cater, of all people. I mean, that's another great fighter back in 2018. Um, <clears throat> you look at uh, Burgos, he's a much more well-rounded fighter than um, uh, Barboza is in his 13 wins. He already has, you know, five knockouts. He already has five submissions, and he already has three decisions. Um, he, he trains out of Team Tiger Shulman. Um for those who uh, enjoy looking at their um, looking at their gyms from there, I mean, there's guys like I mean Bradley Desir, Carlos Brooks, Jimmy Rivera comes from there. Um, and those are the real big ones you're going to see from that gym. But like I was saying, Shane uh, is a much more well-rounded fighter. You know, like I said, he's and it's 13, uh, he has 13 and 2 record in those 13 wins, 5 knockouts, 5 submissions, 3 decisions. And his only losses, he lost, like I said, the decision, and he lost by a knockout to Calvin Cater, or TKO. That happened in round 3. Edson Barbosa, on the other hand, we know this guy. This guy is a striker. I mean, he is going to come at you, and he is going to try to keep it on the stand-up game. Um, he's coming off of a win after, he's coming off a win, which was after a three-fight loss streak. Um, so, I mean, you're going to look at that and you're going to think, ah, come on, you know, the guy's lost, or the guy's lost three of his last four. Um, I get why you're saying that, but you look at those guys that he lost to. 2019, March 30th, lost to Justin Gaethje, who we know how good Gaethje is now in the lightweight division. And by a knockout, lost to Paul Felder by a split decision back in 2019 as well. Lost to Dan Ige about a year ago, I think a year ago in just a few days, um, by a split decision again. Another close fight. And then he lost, or then he beat um, Maquan uh, Amir Khani back in October by unanimous decision. 
and his return down to featherweight. You see that those three straight losses, that's the thing, they're all lightweight. Last time I believe he fought. I didn't know last time he fought, um that he actually fought in featherweight. I don't know if it might be this Anthony Pettis fight that he had back in twenty sixteen. But I mean either way, it's been it's been a hot minute since he's been at uh one forty five. And I mean he's here, he's ready to go. Um but like I was saying, you know, him being twenty one and nine on his career. You know what you're getting from him. He trains out of American Top Team, which is one of the best gyms in the country, so I'm sure they're preparing well for anything that uh that Burgos has to offer. But then you look at um you look at Barbosa's fight history, twelve knockout wins, only one submission win. Um and he has eight decisions and that one submission, let me see if I can find it, was outside of the UFC in Renaissance MMA back in 2009. Other than that, it's all knockouts with a few decisions. He's lost nine times on his career. He's gotten knocked out three times. He's gotten submitted twice, and he's lost four decisions. Um, I mean, he lost to Habib. He was uh, one of Habib's uh, first big, or first bigger fights. Um, lost by unanimous decision uh, back in 2017. I think that was, I don't know if that was, uh, I think that was Habib's, like, number one contendership fight. They got him the vacant, vacant title fight next. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that fight, me, I'm a betting man. Um, I mean, Part of me wants to say, like, go with my gut and go, Barbosa is going to come out with something big here. Um, but at the same time, Burgos is just um, such a uh, such a well-rounded fighter that I feel like if he gets it to the ground, he's going to win without question. Um, and, I mean, the odds reflect this type of fight, too. Uh, about every single, um, about every single thing. Has it nearly at a pick'em? Maybe leaning a little bit towards Burgos at like a minus one forty money line. Uh, yeah, like my bookie minus one forty, DraftKings minus one forty one. I mean, it, it it's nearly a pick'em fight. But I mean, I do believe that Burgos is gonna win if he's able to uh, to not get caught by anything. If he's able to push Barbosa up against the fence, if he's able to take Barbosa to the ground, Barbosa can't do anything. Um, so, I mean, barring anything shocking, I'm going to go Shane Burgos is going to beat Edson Barboza. Right. Um, moving on to the second fight of this card, or of this main card, is uh, Caitlin Chagan. Uh, she's back fighting uh, Vivian uh, Arohu, or Araho. Sorry, I cannot um, speak her name very well. I'm saying Araho. Um, now, yeah, let's. Uh, talk about her right now. <clears throat> Actually, now let's talk about Chukagan. She's fighting out of the actual um, red corner. Name gets said first. We'll do it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, and typically, she's going to be the bigger name you're going to know. 15-4 on her career. I mean, she's absolutely 
great. Um, she's thing is though she's not a finisher. And anything you'll see with her fights, she is never really a finisher. She has finished only three of her fifteen wins. She, but that's not taken away from how good she is. I mean, I will still stick by that she is insanely good. Um, she's fifteen and four, like I said, on her career. Um, she's uh, won twelve decisions, but had two knockouts and one submission. So, like I was saying, she's not a finisher whatsoever. She just she doesn't really get it. <clears throat> but I mean that that's not going to affect everything too much. Coming off a win against uh, Cynthia Calvillo, which is actually pretty impressive back in November of 2020. When uh, on the UFC 255 card, and, um, she won by unanimous decision, but that was following a loss to Jessica Andrade. Thing is, you can't really get onto Jessica Andrade because now um, Andrade is—I mean, we know how good she is. I mean, I, I get that she just lost to um, Shevchenko, but doesn't really change um, how good Andrade is. She's former um, former. Uh, Sorry, strawweight uh, champion. You have Antonina, er, but that also was coming off of an Antonina um, Shevchenko win back last year, which is coming off of a um, title fight against Valentina Shevchenko, in which she lost on UFC 247. Um, I was saying, so she's a very uh, like good grinded out fighter and rack up points, get the judges. So many of her fights are decisions, and she doesn't even get finished that much. Um, I mean, she only has four losses on her career. She got finished twice. Um, but the thing is, her last finish that was a win uh, was back in uh, Cage Fury FC back in 2016. She won by a knockout uh, with her knee. Since then, it's been unanimous uh, decisions. <clears throat> Moving on to uh, Vivian. Vivian's a little bit different. I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd say she's different. She's more well-rounded. No, I'll just go. Sorry, if I'm saying Vivian or Vivian wrong, I'm just going to say Vivi since that's her actual you know, name that she goes by. Like the um, nickname. 10 and 2 on her career. Coming off of a loss, or not a loss, coming off of a win of Roxanne Monteferi uh, uh, back in January, actually. She didn't have too much of a layoff. Coming back fairly quick, fighting. I mean, it was after a, uh, it was after a decision win. It was a unanimous decision, which was also coming off a win. But her last big name fight that she really had was against um, Jessica I. Back at yes two forty five in twenty nineteen, she lost that one or by unanimous decision. But I mean, she's been pretty good since she came to the UFC. I mean, since she's got in the UFC, she only has one finish out of her five fights and four wins. Um, but I mean, she's also young. I mean, or not young. She just got into MMA late. She's only ten, or she has a ten and two career record. Um, yeah, I mean, she's been knocked out once, lost by a decision once. 
but I mean, three knockouts um, and or slash TKOs, four submissions and three decisions. I, in this one, to be fully honest with you, I mean, I'm leading towards uh, uh, Caitlin Chukagan, um, but I'm not going to say, oh, yes, 100%, that's where I'm taking. You know, I mean, it's just because <clears throat> you don't want to end up, uh, I don't want to lead anyone wrong on that. So, yeah, I mean, in my mind, um, you have to go with uh, Caitlin Chukagan. Now, moving on down the card, third part of the main card, Matthew Christopher Schnell facing off against uh, Rogerio um, Von Torren. <clears throat> so, Matt Danger Schnell, 15-5 uh, and five on his career. Uh, coming in at 31 years old, so he's fought a lot for being young. He fights out of the American top team, which, I mean, anytime someone fights out of the American top team, fights out of Sanford MMA, fights out um, of Trevor Women's Gym out in Colorado. Or... <sighs> Sorry about that. Anytime they fight out of those types of places, I just give them immediate extra respect. And it's just something I can't even help. I just do. But um, Montorin. Um, is even younger, 16-3 and three on his career. And let me tell you this, this fight could, has the chance to be a very good grappling match. Both fighters, uh, more submission wins than anything else in their career. For, um, for Schnell, he has eight submission wins with two knockouts, four decisions, and one other, which... I'll check that. I wonder if it was someone. Uh, yeah, it was by a DQ, but that was back in 2015. That wasn't even the UFC. <clears throat> 15 and 5 on his career. Um, Bontorin and his 16 wins, 11 submissions, 3 knockouts, 2 decisions. He's a huge, huge uh, BJJ fighter. He's coming off uh, two straight losses, though. Lost to Ray Borg at the start of 2020 and lost to the start, or lost uh, just over two months ago um, to Guy Car France by a knockout. Um, it's quick to get back into it. I mean, from a knockout perspective, but I mean, I respect him getting back in there pretty quick. Um, like I said, though, um, both these guys, it, they're both submission specialists. If you're going to see, I mean, you're going to see a finish, it's probably going to be a submission. But I wonder almost if that's going to result in, like I said, stand-up fight. Chanel's coming off of a win back in uh, January on the Kiesa Magni card. Um, uh, he's coming off of, it was a split decision. And then you just go down through his shirt all here, right, um, here, and just looking at his past. Just so many submissions or split decisions. Um, okay, so he's coming off of a win. But his split decision is controversial. Uh, don't be shocked to see him coming with the chip on his shoulder and actually wanting to try to get um, on torn out of there early. But we'll see. I mean, you never really know. <clears throat> I think it's someone to really be interested uh, with. Um, Chanel does have money line right now at about minus 159. Um, I mean, I'd probably agree with that. I'd probably go with Chanel. Um, I feel like, 
Uh, I feel like he's got a really good chance to come out and win this thing. I mean, he's a little bit more well-rounded than uh, Fontorin is, but, I mean, not like night and day difference. I just, I personally think Schnell's going to be able to edge this one out. And now, moving on into the co-main event for this uh, UFC pay-per-view. I'm so excited for this one. As we all know, the co-main is supposed to be um, Nick Diaz versus Leon Edwards, and that was supposed to be the first five-round co-main non-title fight in UFC history. That's gotten pushed back to a month from now. Sorry. Sorry, I had a yawn. But now we're getting... Um, another, or now we're getting an actual lightweight co-main event with lightweight title fight being the main event. And we get to see the return of fan favorite Tony El Kakui Ferguson coming off of a loss to a man who is fighting in that main event, Charles Oliveira. And Tony gets to face off against the rising star of Benel Daryush. Benel is riding a this is a six-fight win streak coming into this fight. Tony Ferguson is riding a two-fight losing streak coming into this fight. And here's the thing. You look at Tony. Tony's 37. He's 37. He's 25-5 and five on his career. He's lost two straight fights to top contenders. Um, lost Justin Gaethje by TKO, and I think he was favored on that one, and then lost to Oliveira, which I'm about 99% sure he's favored on that one. His last win was against Donald Cerrone back in 2019. Donald Cerrone's great. I mean, I love Cowboy. But he I mean, is obviously not what he was. Um, and, you know, I mean, he had his win against Anthony Pettis. But that's, you know, people keep referring to that. That's nearly three years ago. That's two and a half years ago by this point. Yes, that game, that fight against Pettis was so entertaining because it was so, it was just an absolute brawl of bloodbath. It was amazing. You look at that, I mean, come on. I mean, really, the biggest name guy he's beaten on it. Uh, okay, I don't really want to trash Tony. That's the thing. The win streak he had put together at one point was insane. He was beating big names. He was beating Josh Thompson, beating Edson Barboza, who's also playing on this card. He's beating RDA. He was beating Kevin Lee, Anthony Pettis, Constant. I mean, yes, his fight, or his streak was amazing. He lost to, um, no, he's lost two in a row. This is do or die for him in the UFC, I feel like. I feel like he doesn't win this one, or he gets beat dominantly. I feel like he's really, really screwed. Um, I feel like he's really going to have to pull some strings to even stay on the promotion at that point. I feel like at the same time, from a money-making aspect, I feel like they got a good chance to keep him on there just because it's Tony freaking Ferguson. And fans love him. Speaking of fans loving him, he was very, very different than what I'm used to seeing Tony Ferguson in a press conference. I get that he talks and does stuff. Oh my gosh, though, he was trash talking, chirping. He was chirping guys he's not used to fighting in the press conference. He was chirping uh, Michael Chandler. <sighs> I'll get to what that chirp was in, um, in just a few minutes, but he was really chirping the nail. He's really giving Benel a lot of crap. He's really hating on Benel for helping Geishi train for Geishi's fight against Ferguson, which Darius is just kind of sitting there like, what do you want me to do? You know, like, I'm, I think I asked for it. I think I asked for some help, and I went and helped. I mean, 
and you know he was trashing him, and he was saying you know how bad he is because I mean Darius uh, was asked a question on Tony's age, and it was on just about how you know are his are his abilities regressing, and Benel's response was like, yeah, he's about thirty seven, and I'm. I mean, I'm not young. He goes, I'm about 32, and you know, I'm. I think we're both in the latter portions of our careers. And then Tony goes, oh, and like that's quitter's mentality, and you know, it's chirping at him a ton. And something you know, like, oh, come on, man. I mean, I didn't really love it, but he was chirping at him, and you know, he was saying that he hasn't even hit his prime yet, stuff like that. I mean, Tony. I mean, if he hasn't his prime yet, I love him proving wrong. I mean, I, I don't dislike Tony Ferguson. But, alright, off of that, like I said, the numbers. Tony, we know him, he's stand-up. Or he really likes to stand up, but at the same time, he can go to the ground. He, he's got some missions. Um, he's really a, um, he's a Finnish artist. And he's only gotten five decision wins out of his 25 wins. Um, but, yeah, I mean, more often than not, he would prefer to stand up and he'd prefer to uh, box with you. So coming off two losses, he's going to be humble, or he's going to be hungry. Not about, not really humble. Maybe we're listening to him today. But Darius, like I said, coming off of six straight wins, Kings MMA is where he's fighting out of. Obviously, he's twenty-four on his career, and he's almost a really good, like opposite of Tony because he's a um he's twenty and four on his career. Uh he's gotten eight submission wins, seven decision wins, five knockout wins. He's a very well rounded guy and he likes to take people down. He likes to sit or he likes to wrestle with them. Um you know his his uh six fight win streak it's been one to sit back and think, wow, I mean, it's actually impressive. He's lost to, or he beat Tiago Moises, he beat Drew Dober, he beat Frank Camacho, he beat Jacar, or, uh, Jacar Close, he beat Scott Holtzman, and then Diego Ferreira. His last loss was Alexander Hernandez back in 2018. And the last loss before that was Edson Barboza, again, on this part, back in 2017. His four losses, the thing is, he doesn't have the best chin. His four losses, three of them came by knockout. He's been in the UFC for a long time, but I don't really think it's do or die for him. He's been in since 2014. Um, but, I mean, just the surging star that he's become. Fans are starting to like him. Um, I love him. I, I think he's great. Uh, I, I think this fight's going to be interesting. Either way, I'm going to be kind of I'm going to be fine because I like both of them a whole lot. But, I mean, if I had to tell you anything, here, DraftKings right here, I'm looking at it, is given uh, Benel Dariusha minus 165 favorite. Um, and to be fully honest with you, I would say yes, and I would agree with that. But at the same time, there's something in me that really thinks Tony's going to come out and just, we're going to see a different version of Tony. We're going to see a much more traditional version of Tony. We know Tony is a very unconventional fighter. That's what we love about him. He's just odd. He loves just to mix things up. You know, he's 
you know, throw spinning back elbows and kicks and cartwheels and stuff like that. He's going to do that type of stuff. He doesn't care because he's, he, you know, he's flowing in there, you know, having fun with it. And the thing is, guess what he did? He decided that he wanted to take a more traditional boxing approach. And now he's training with Freddie Roach. Him training with Freddie Roach, I think it's scary. I think it honestly um, helps him a ton. And, you know, if he gets head movement down, stuff like that, doesn't take the type of damage he typically takes. That's going to be huge, but at the same time, Darius isn't a guy who's trying to get out damage on the feet and box, but he's trying to take you down, in my mind. And, um, yeah, I mean, the only one thing that you have to think about why is he getting this fight is because he's coming off of a split decision win, but it was Diego Ferreira, um, and it's a six-fight win streak. He deserves this fight. Um, my official prediction, I honestly, like, my, you know, my brain's telling me it's going to be Darius, but my God's telling me Tony Ferguson. I feel like you're going to come out and you're going to remember why you love Tony. I feel like Tony's going to be really impressive, and I feel like that's going to be just such a fun fight to watch. I'm ready for it. I think it's going to be great. Now, moving on to the main event, we have Charles DeBronx Oliveira facing off against Iron Michael. Chandler. We got number three versus number four fighting for the championship as number one. Dustin Poirier is taking his trilogy fight with Connor, which was the correct thing for him to do without question. Um, because the Connor money that's still there is just insane. <sighs> um, and Justin Gaethje had gotten uh, finished by Habib, and I think they are going to end up making him fight once before and getting the title shot. Now, let's jump in, and since Chandler's fighting out of blue corner, he's going to walk out first. We'll talk about him first. Coming out of Sanford MMA. He's 22-5 on his career. Coming off of his UFC debut against Dan Hooker, he knocked Hooker out in just a half around in two minutes and thirty seconds. Knocked him out with a beautiful left hook while oh, Hooker was um, moving around the cage trying to frustrate him. You know, doing what you should do, frustrate a wrestler. But his perfect strike, perfect placement, and then just went to went to town on him. Just started destroying him. He's riding a three fight win streak right now. Um, but then again, I mean. And one of them against Benson Henderson, in which he knocked him out in two minutes. And I was like, hey, all three of his last fights haven't gone past three minutes. Sydney Outlaw fight um, was his first fight on this win streak. KO by punches, two minutes, 59 seconds. And you look at the Benson Henderson fight, which we all know, Benson's a good, good fighter. UFC fighters know, or UFC fans know this that don't pay attention to other um, promotions. Knocked him out with punches in two minutes nine seconds, and then Dan Hooker two minutes thirty seconds knockout. His last loss was against uh, Patricio Pitbull back in twenty nineteen. It's been a minute, and that was a quick knockout. And I mean, I feel like I mean, things could have gone very different that night. I mean, it was a minute in. I mean. 
I don't think he has to worry too, too much on that. So, yeah. <clears throat> Love it. He, um, he comes from a wrestling background, but he, you know, he wrestled at Missouri. He was a walk-on at Missouri, actually. I love that story. Walk-on at Missouri turned into a collegiate All-American at the NCAA level. And then goes, starts fighting MMA, fights in Bellator, becomes their guy, wins Bellator championship, defends him multiple times. Um, the only guy really that's been on him is Pitbull that he's one and one with. I mean, you know, um, he's beaten these ex-USC champions. He's beaten Eddie Alvarez. Um, before Alvarez even was able to hit the UFC level, I mean, back in 2013, which was a good version of Alvarez. Or in 2011, when he beat him, and then he lost a split decision, which I don't know how much he really lost that back in uh, 2013. But Chandler's great. Um, you know, and comes into the UFC, absolutely stunning debut, and gets um, a title shot. It was actually with Tony. What else I wanted to say, Tony, talking about fighters who aren't, he isn't even fighting. This is what I'm talking about. He was trash talking Chandler, saying that Chandler shouldn't get this title shot, essentially, that it was given to him. And kind of went to how Tony feels like he doesn't, you know, get that type of uh, respect at all or favoritism type of thing by the organization. He said that. Um, Chandler has Dana White privilege, which I think is just such bull. I mean, come on, man. Um, <clears throat> you can say that, but at the end of the day, Chandler came in. He wanted a top five guy right away. He got a top five guy right away. Fought Dan Hooker. Knocked him out in 230. It was supposed to be Tony Ferguson, allegedly, but they're both saying that they said no to each other. But Chandler's already said in the past that it was Tony that said no, and because we know that Chandler said yes to, I think, every opportunity he's been given. He was a backup fighter for um, for uh, Habib's retirement fight with Gaethje. He was um, obviously Dan Hooker's opponent, and I think he had said yes to Gaethje. Hmm. Sorry, it's late when I'm filming this. I think he had said yet, uh, yes to Gaethje and didn't end up coming to fruition, um, which ended up working out for him. But, um, yeah, so he's done everything right. I feel like, you know, ex-champion of Bellator and then he comes over here and is trying to prove that he's the best 155er in the world. Ten knockout wins, seven submission wins, five decision wins. I mean... He's so well-rounded because of his college wrestling, plus just the power he packs in his punch. His punches hit hard, dude. It's impressive. I love Mike Chandler, and let's just see. Um, or let me explain now. Oliveira. Oliveira's coming in this fight, riding eight fight wins streak. He holds the record for the UFC's submission victories. He's 30 and 8 on his career. He's 31 years old. So, I mean, to hit that type of number at 31 is impressive. 
I mean, Chandler's 35 and it's 2025. <clears throat> he just got in that quick. Um, yeah, he's riding an eight-fight win streak. That's just straight impressive. Yes, he got beat by Paul Felder in 2017. Since then, beat Clay Guida by submission. Beat uh, Christos uh, Gallegos or Giagos, sorry, by submission. Beat Jim Miller. That's Jim Miller by submission. David Tamer by submission. Nick Lentz by knockout or TKO. Jared Gordon by knockout. Kevin Lee by submission. Tony Ferguson by a unanimous decision. It's an impressive thing that he's had. Like I said, Paul Felder was his last loss, 2017. Um, he's probably guys like Anthony Anthony Pettis back in 2016. Lost that one. Um, you know, uh, he has eight knockout wins, 19 submission wins, three decisions. That's why he holds record for submission wins um, in the UFC. He's just absolutely insane. His eight losses, he's gotten out, knocked out four times. He's gotten submitted three times. He lost one decision. <clears throat> I'm just so excited for this because Oliveira has improved stand-up, I believe. I think having to go in with Tony, he really knew he had to have great stand-up, and this was coming off of a knockout. Or that Tony fight was uh, coming off of a submission, but which was coming off of two knockouts. So, I mean, you sit there and you think, oh, yeah, the guy can fight on the feet. He's just fine. I mean, maybe, but at the same time, I mean, <clears throat> why would you want to when you're the such a high-level Brazilian uh, jiu-jitsu black belt that Charles Oliveira is? Um, Oliveira is, in the UFC, I believe, the scariest submission artist. I mean, not just because he has the most, just because of the way he does it. He's just so sneaky and so good on the ground. And that's the one thing about this matchup. Chandler is a wrestler. Oliveira is a jiu-jitsu fighter. Is this going to turn into a wrestler versus grappler fight that we see a lot of times and just be in the stand-up? And that's going to affect how I'm going to think this fight is. The thing is, Chandler takes him down, and Chandler's on top. Better hope that Oliveira isn't in that closed guard, because, I mean, yeah, that's scary. If he's in full guard, that is scary. You don't want Oliveira on his back like that. You better get him into a half guard or into the mount as quick as you possibly can. Um, but, yeah, so, um, at the same time, if Chandler does get into that type of mount, then, oh my gosh, it's going to be insane. And if it stands up, I think it's going to be Chandler. I think Oliveira wins by submission and maybe decision. Chandler's, if it's if there's a knockout, Chandler's going to get the knockout. And um, Oliveira and him, I, 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 with the decision, I can't really lean away or the other. Um, you see this 8 by win streak, and you're definitely going to want to side with Oliveira. I believe he's favored too. Uh, right now, yeah, he's minus 134. But I'm going to give you Michael Chandler. I'm excited for Michael Chandler. I hope he wins. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Um, he might he might lose. And if he does, I mean, he's still right, right very high. He could be back very quick. Um, <laughs> he's just, I don't know. 
I'm going Michael Chandler because I believe that if he's able to keep this fight uh, standing, he'll win. Um, he, like I said, he just packs such a hard punch behind everything that it's just, it, it's insane. Um, so I expect Michael Chandler to win. Um, if it's on the feet and uh, if it's on the ground, I'm excited to see what happens. If this thing is canvas, I'm really excited. So, yeah, I'm going at Michael Chandler plus 110, but I'm not going to be surprised at all if Charles wins. Um, this, this is a close fight. I'm going with Chandler kind of because I'm a little biased, so I just wanted to win. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening. This was my, um, this was my UFC 262, uh, little podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed. Thank you for sticking out with me if you're here. Um, drop a like and follow this thing. And yeah, thank you so much. I'll see y'all next time.